Hey, it's Zach. And you know about First Take, but what about First Take? Her Take, a new podcast hosted by Charlie Arnold, Kimberly Martin, and Shanae Agumake. They discuss and debate the biggest sports stories and delve into topics about their lives and culture. You can find First Take, Her Take, wherever you get your podcasts. And now, The Low Post. Welcome to The Low Post podcast, where I guess, grasping for straws, the theme of the day is teams that start with K. Shortly, we will have De'Aaron Fox from the Sacramento Kings on, but let's start with the New York Knicks because they made a trade. And when you make a trade for an MVP, even if the guy won the MVP like nine years ago, you still have to have a podcast about it if you're a big market team like the New York Knicks. And nobody, (laughs) nobody knows the Knicks in the media better than our old friend Ian Begley of SNY, host of The Putback, a digital show, which every Knicks fan, I assume, is already watching. If they are not, they should watch it. Ian Begley, how are you? Zach, what's happening, my friends? When you said K-teams... I thought you were going to make a Kentucky reference, too, because there's so many Wildcats on this Nick team. You know, Ian, some people some people go for the low-hanging fruit, <laughs> make the easy jokes about the new, the new York Wildcats. Okay, some people strive for something more. Maybe it could have been, I've, I've nicknamed the Knicks in the past, the Kazoos, which is also a K-word because nickname. of James Dolan's yeah. uh, affection for... A children's musical instrument. Now I've alienated the entire kazoo industry just like that. I'm sure the kazoo is a serious instrument in my head. It's I, I don't enough. Um, so uh, the Knicks on Super Bowl Sunday, which, by the way, should be illegal. You should not be allowed to make a trade on Super Bowl Sunday, made a trade uh, for former MVP Derek Rose. They traded Dennis Smith Jr., uh, one of the uh, principles in the Kristaps Porzingis trade, which feels like it happened nine years ago, uh, and a Charlotte Hornets, I believe, second-round pick for Derrick Rose. And true to form, there is much angst, angst <laughs> among the NBA's angstiest fan base about what exactly this means, because if people were allowed to gather in New York City, they would with pitchforks and torches if there were any reduction in Emmanuel Quickly's minutes. So let's just start there. Is Derrick Rose going to start for Alfred Payton? Is he going to back up Alfred Payton and shove Quickly to the deep bench? Why can't he and Quickly play together if Derrick Rose is going to come off the bench? I don't really know why that's not feasible. What is going to happen and is there going to be a riot at uh, Penn Station? (laughs) Well, yes. If Quickly's minutes or shots are reduced in any way, uh, there's going to be some breaking of, of COVID uh, rules and protocols. There's going to be a massive gathering outside the garden. But I think that to assume that Derrick Rose is going to come in and take Quickly's minutes and take shots away from him, uh, I, I got the sense yesterday at least that it was too early to assume that, wrong to assume that, because the, the word coming out of there, you know, a little bit, it was premature to, 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 to try to guess at what Thibodeau is going to do. But they pointed out that, hey, these guys can play together quickly and Derek Rose and are they going to be a good fit we'll see but I, I think the idea that he's going to come in here and quickly is going to be out of the rotation I, I think it's premature to assume that but I do think he's going to come off the bench initially I think Alfred Payton will continue to start which by the way I'm fine with this rush to throw rookies into the starting lineup once they've had a little bit of success and Emmanuel quickly Kevin Pelton noted this has been maybe the most inconsistent player in the NBA because he's a rookie point guard he's shooting um Nicely from three-point range, not so nicely from two-point range. And he's a rookie. So, And part of the reason that rookies tend to be successful is very often they're coming off the bench going against second units. Like, I have no problem with Tibbs bringing quickly off the bench, even if that means Alfred Payton has to start. And Alfred Payton is underwhelming. 
But he is the point guard for a starting lineup that has a positive scoring margin. It is, by the way, the most played lineup in the NBA. No lineup has played more minutes, predictably, than the Knicks starting five. So I don't really have a huge problem with that. But let's zoom out for a second and talk about big picture. The Knicks are 11-14, and 8th in the East. They would be in the playoffs and certainly the play-in if the season ended today. They have 12 games remaining in their first half schedule, second half schedule unknown, Four of them, only four, are against teams that currently have winning records. And two of those four team games are against teams that are exactly one game over 500. So the Knicks have some winnable games coming up. There's no reason to think that they can't be a, a play-in tournament team at this stage of the season. So, And this move, I think, evinces a we-are-going-for-it mindset. So let's zoom even further out. In the offseason, there were these rumblings, and they were written about a little bit in the media about, well, you know, you know, Tibbs, going to chase every win, wants to win every game, mm-hmm. not here to lose, not here to tank. Leon Rose maybe has a bigger picture in mind, maybe has a longer lens in mind. Are they going to be copacetic? Are they going to share a vision? What's that going to be like? So let's just talk about that situation right now. Is everybody on the same page here? Can we balance chasing this playoff spot with not forgetting about the future completely, which I think will be all represented by what happens to quickly now? Right. I think it's such a difficult balance in general, trying to do both, right? Uh, Develop your young guys while while trying to chase a playoff spot, especially with this Nick roster. You know, what I had heard was the Knicks – People with the Knicks felt like they had a deal in place for Rose in the offseason and it didn't go through for whatever reason. And so, you know, that leads me to believe that Thibodeau at least had interest back then uh, over the, I want to say summer. What was it? The winter? Um, I don't know. So- it doesn't, time has no meaning anymore, Ian. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Some time of year that is not now. <laughs> but so it was Knicks somewhere along the line. And, you know, I'm always so curious about how. Coaches, execs, and ownership are in terms of being on the same page, not being on the same page. You would assume, right, that Tom Thibodeau, he's known Leon Rose forever, that they would be a perfect pairing because they have this friendship and uh, you would think they're aligned in so many different ways that it would be easy for them uh, to be aligned in every basketball move. But I do know that, you know, there were people in the organization, I think of people on the coaching staff that thought some moves were going to happen in the offseason that. Uh, would have given them a chance to win more games this year. Obviously, that didn't happen. They, they kind of uh, slow played the offseason. They were they looked like they were going to be a very bad team. Uh, they're outplaying their expectations for several different reasons. But I think, you know, Thibodeau and the coaching staff, some of them felt like they were going to get this win-now roster that didn't come to fruition. So I don't think there's full alignment there. How serious was the Gordon Hayward stuff in the offseason? It was, I think it was serious. I mean, it, depending on who you talk to, um, they had a, a significant offer out for Hayward. And, the, you know, they say it didn't, they didn't want to go to where Charlotte went with it. But I think the number was significant. And if they could have gotten them uh, at the price that they wanted, they would have been overjoyed. Uh, and that would have put together a win-now roster. And that, I think, would have changed the complexion of maybe other things they did that offseason. Because if you bring in Gordon Hayward, you're trying to win games. And I think you make – subsequent moves with that in mind uh, that didn't happen now they're sitting here with uh eight, maybe it's now it's 17 million dollars in cap space after the Derek Rose trade it, it was 18 maybe it's 17 but anyway they have a bunch of cap space now and I think they the idea in general is to try to weaponize that moving forward see what you can acquire 
and uh, and hopefully for them, Derrick Rose helps you win games, and that in turn helps you develop your young players. But as you know, it's it's a delicate balance trying to do that. Well, I think the guys that they have gone after and the guys that they have not gone after, I think we can begin to put some puzzle pieces together. So Russell Westbrook is not on the Knicks. Chris Paul is not on the Knicks. Gordon Hayward had a chance, I guess, according to the reporting of what you just said, to maybe be on the Knicks. I mean, it was it was like not out of play. Um, Victor Oladipo is not on the Knicks. However, um, there have been some rumblings that the Knicks continue to monitor Victor Oladipo. I'm not sure if you reported that. I've lost track of who reports what at this point. But I I would believe I would believe those rumblings because I think they were monitoring him in the offseason. I poked yes. around a little bit, and what I heard was, yeah, we we want to see the guy play. The guy's coming off a. a a traumatic injury, then a weird start and stop season in the bubble and before the bubble where he just didn't look very good. So we're not we're not going to rush into that. Uh, he's on an expiring contract. We'll we'll just sort of um, wait and see. And now they can watch him play in Houston. He's hurt again, but he'll be back soon. Uh, Derek Rose is on an expiring contract. Doesn't cripple your cap flexibility. Doesn't cripple your future. A second round pick in Dennis Smith Jr. who's not in your plans is like who cares? To me, all of this is. If not a front office and a coaching staff in lockstep, then a front office that has done the right thing to balance, yeah, we'll we'll chase some wins in the present. Like we're not we're not averse to that. Like we'll try and get in the playoffs. That'd be awesome. But we're not gonna do it in a way that is classic Knicks overreaching, clogging up our cap sheet. We're gonna go after the guys that are in our age bracket or on expiring deals and don't cost us much to get. To me, all of these moves and non-moves, you put the puzzle pieces together. I, I kind of like what I'm seeing from the Leon Rose regime so far. I think it's making a lot of sense. And I think that what they tr- have tried to do in the past was foster this competitive environment by bringing in veterans uh, to compete for minutes with the young players that they wanted to develop. And, and in some cases, you know, those veterans uh, really did a disservice to those young players and their development. So it didn't work. It was a poor fit. Uh, it seems like in this instance, the vets they brought in certainly haven't like stepped over some of the young guys. Now, you could make an argument about uh, Kevin Knox being out of the rotation and, and Frank Nilakina being out of the rotation. Uh, the thing that I think about with Nilakina is Tom Thibodeau is a defensive coach, right? First and foremost, Frank Nilakina is a defensive talent. I think if, if Thibodeau felt like what he was seeing in practice, what he saw in the preseason, warranted giving Nilakina minutes, he would give him the minutes. I don't think he's holding him back in any sense. And I think he wants to see more defensively from Kevin Knox. So I guess, Zach, I think Nick Van out there is, is worried. They have this PTSD about the young players that they've had that have been developed poorly in the past because the roster construction has been split between trying to win and trying to develop young talent. So they see this move and they say, here we go again. Do you see it as different? I do, and I, I would be surprised if quickly falls out of the rotation. I think he's Me played too. too well. He's played too well in crunch time. He's shown a propensity to make big shots. He's completely fearless. Like, I would be surprised. Look, if you gave all of Alfred Payton's minutes to Derrick Rose, I think the Knicks are probably better. I don't think that's what's going to happen, at least at first. But it, we talk about why the Knicks are, are exceeding expectations. You said, you know, why are they doing this? The number one reason is they're sixth in defense, okay? Mm-hmm. They're 25th in offense. They don't shoot any threes. Their offense stinks, despite the fact that Julius Randle, and we are feasting on the finest meats and cheeses on top of Julius Randle Hill. <laughs> he is having a fantastic season. He is a worthy all-star candidate. And despite that, their offense is in the toilet. Exactly. And that's why... You that's were the what, only guy on that hill in the tri-state area last year and in this offseason. So I got to give you credit there. 
It was lonely before the pandemic, man. <laughs> it, it was it was lonely up there, and I didn't see. I truthfully, I almost I almost <laughs> took my little hobo bag over my shoulder and walked down the hill at some point. Like probably on like the three hundredth time that he drove into four people and turned the ball over, I was getting a little discontented. Um, but their offense stinks, and that's why Neil Akeen is not playing because their defense is already good and their offense is bad. And Tibbs is looking for shooting, and he's not going to find it in Neil Akeen. Although I, if I were a team. I, I, if some team should buy low on Nilakina because I, I still think he's redeemable. I think his upside is sort of like bigger Patrick Beverly, maybe not quite as good, but I, I think if you're not asking him to run an offense, I think there's a three and D kind of player there that I'd be interested in trying to redeem. Mm-hmm. But um, the offense just hasn't been very good. And that's why, that's why he's not playing. And that's why if you, if you just gave like Derek Rose is a better offensive player and a better shooter than Alfred Payton. And if you just gave him all the Payton's minutes, I do think, the team would probably be a little better. Maybe that's maybe that is going to be the end game because you've reported there's somehow whiffs, whiffs, faint whiffs, sense of interest from somewhere in Alfred Payton. <laughs> there's a team that you know is, sees Payton as someone who can bolster their backcourt, and, and I'm not saying that a trade's going to happen tomorrow. I'm not guaranteeing a trade's going to happen by the end of March, but I, I do think that let's fast forward a few weeks. Let's assume that Frank Nilakina you know, established himself as a role player for this team, uh, you know, then I think you could say that, you know, Peyton, you, you could trade him and, and be comfortable with that because you know, you have Derrick Rose, you'll have Quickly. And so I, I, I just think things, you look at this trade and you can't really look at it in a vacuum because I think there are more moves that are going to be made or at least seriously considered uh, before this trade deadline. For the ones who get it done. Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute. Shame on you, by the way. But Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas, you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything pre-wrapped gifts, gifts for grandma. You can find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TV. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. That's very soon. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for your mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Let's talk about the present product on the floor before we go big picture again a little bit um the offense has to get better because i I, although they continue to disprove me i still think the defense is a little bit fool's gold just a little bit they're sixth i think they're probably closer to like 11th or something like that and i and by that i just mean um they are allowing a ton of threes and a ton of shots at the rim and their opponents are shooting only 32% on threes, which is the lowest percentage in the league. They are shooting the lowest percentage on wide open threes when you mm-hmm. look at, at, at threes when there's no defender nearby. And are the Knicks, through sheer effort and in scheming, influencing that? 
maybe a little bit, but I don't think nearly that much. Now their percentage uh, allowed at the rim has has gone up a little bit, so they're they're not there's no outlier there. The threes are really what's keeping them afloat. The other indicators on defense in terms of opponents' offensive rebounding, free throws, all that are average. They're not good. They're not bad. They're average to maybe a little bit below average. So I think they're punching a little bit above their weight defensively because of the opponent three-point shooting. But this team plays really hard, and and I, they just they make you earn it uh, every night. But I do think some slippage on defense is coming, mm-hmm. and their ability to withstand that with a little bit of an improvement on offense, I think is going to determine whether this team is a solid play-in team or is going to be scratching and clawing just to get the 10th seed down the stretch of the season. Is that fair, or am I am I underestimating their defense? No, I think you've hit it on the head. I think you have to expect that teams are going to knock down league average uh, on open looks from beyond the arc, and the Knicks, obviously, Nick opponents haven't done that so far, so you would expect some regression there. And I think the Derrick Rose trade indicates that they need they needed offense. They know they needed a punch in the uh, a shot in the arm on offense, especially off the bench. And if Rose gives you that, and there's maybe a bigger trade off on defense, I don't know where you end up. But they they needed something because the the scoring, particularly you know down the stretch, it just it hadn't been there in, in too many of these close games, bad losses. So I think that's why they bring Rose in. And you know the interesting thing to me is. We talked about quickly already. We talked about uh, Alfred Payton, but I think you know RJ Barrett. He's like quietly put together a really solid season year two, and Thibodeau really likes the different ways that he's been able to score, and he really likes the idea that he he brings it every night. And he's mentally he's tough, and he hasn't like knocked the three down like so many Nick fans would like to see him knock the three down. But he's found different ways to score mid range, get into the basket, and he doesn't force anything. I think that. The Knicks are pretty encouraged by what they've seen from Barrett so far in year two. Yeah, here's my stat of the stat of the Knicks defense. If you uh, if you looked at what their expected field goal percentage allowed would be mm-hmm. based on the location of every shot they allow, it would mm-hmm. be 29th in the league. Their actual field goal percentage allowed is second in the league. That gap is unusually large and will narrow a it's little bit close yeah um, it's kind of close a, at least a little bit and if you if you dig down into like well who's taking the shots how open are they like this fancy tracking data does all that the gap is still the biggest in the league um so it's gonna it's gonna squeeze a little bit let's talk about barrett and nilakina and knox because the young core that everyone was so excited about was barrett robinson nilakina knox quickly now it looks like now it's just going to be Barrett, Robinson, and quickly, and that Nilakina and Knox are, are no longer in, in the plans. That hurts a little bit because Nilakina is the 2017 draft, and I wrote this once before when I, when I did a big Bam out of bio profile. Bam out of bio's first workout, first pre-draft workout was with the Knicks. Mm. His agent helped the Knicks bring him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, the Knicks were the first team to see him. You can read between the lines about why that might have been. Mm-hmm. Well, from what I heard, blow away workout, kills it. Knicks don't pick him. They pick Neil Aquina instead. Uh, also on the board, Donovan Mitchell, John Collins. We can go on and on. Teams missing the draft. It happens. Mm-hmm. Knox is 2018. I got a good workout story for that draft, but go ahead. Which one? 2018? Yeah. Tell it now. because Well, Knox is over. Shea Gilgis Alexander, both and both bridges would be the next guys to come up. So right. what's okay, give me the give me the workout story. I think I don't know. Like Shea, I don't think was working out for a ton of teams and they were kind of hiding him. But 
the the Knicks, I mean, his people were begging the Knicks to come see him. And they were one of the few teams to see him in person. And it was right before the draft. And, you know, they, I, I, for whatever reason, they passed on him. And here we are uh, a few years later uh, looking at Kevin Knox being outside of this 10-man rotation. And by the way, I thought Knox, everyone paid attention to the corner threes, which was a great sign. He was shooting, I think he's shooting 51% of corner threes or something. I Look, the stats other than that are still underwhelming for him this season. He's been out of the rotation now for a while. I thought Kevin Knox looked more like a basketball player and less like a deer in the headlights this year. Like I, I thought the improvement, even if the stats don't really show it, went beyond, oh, he's just randomly making more threes. Like I would see a couple of extra passes here and there, a one dribble and kick to the next guy that mm. I don't think I saw as much in previous years and certainly with a level of confidence and feel that I didn't see. Now, it's not even baby steps. It's like a baby crawl. Like it's it's not a lot. There's not a lot to cling to. But I, from what I saw from him before he left the rotation, obviously defensively he's got a long way to go. I saw a guy who looked like finally – after being maybe the youngest player in the NBA, thrown into a, a media market where they expect the world, you know, blows it away at Summer League. Remember, he was a Summer League sensation. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, Kevin Knox is a steal. <laughs> Unbelievable. And 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 looked overwhelmed, frankly, when the real game started to someone who looked whelmed, just whelmed, yeah. not underwhelmed, but not overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if he ever works his way back in the rotation or he's just out. But it looks like... I, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm assuming Nilakina and Knox are both out of the Knicks' long-term future plans. Is that, is that a bad assumption, or are they, are they trade bait now? I don't know what to make of them. I don't think Nilakina. I would say yes, although I think that there are still people there that believe in his talent, but the, the, the idea that he just can't stay on the court for long stretches of time is, is troublesome. With Knox, I do know that Detroit had asked about Knox in this Derrick Rose trade and, and I think you know their thought was straight up and the Knicks had no interest in doing that but I don't I didn't take that as a sign that not they didn't want to deal Knox I just think that they maybe see him as having more trade value than just giving him up straight up for Derrick Rose uh, so I think the right deal comes along and, and, and Knox is expendable uh, the thing with Knox just in general is like that to me is a great example of what are you doing? Are you trying to develop your young talent? Or are you trying to win? Clearly, they're trying to win because you're, you know, you're giving Austin Rivers those minutes ahead of Knox, and you're giving other players those minutes ahead of Knox. So, does it make more sense though, based on where they are, just to play Knox and let him grow on the court uh, rather than chase wins? And that's why I think this balance is so tough to strike. Uh, and it's just well, they're also they're also giving out. they're also giving his minutes to a name I forgot to mention in the young core, which is Obi Toppin, because Knox was playing the four a lot when he was playing, and now Toppin is back healthy playing the four. I thought we would see a little bit of Toppin at the five this year. I thought we would see a little bit of Randall and Toppin together at the four and the five. We really have not seen any of that. It's been Mitchell Robinson and Nerlens Noel, and of late, Mitchell Robinson and Todd Gibson playing the entire game at center. So it's not just that Rivers or Alec Burks, whoever you want to say, are getting Kevin Knox's minutes. It's really top in two, which is again, like they're letting, like it's some of the young guys, a lot of the young guys are playing. Um, top in to me, still learning him. Let's talk about Barrett for a second, because you mentioned that Tibbs and the Knicks are happy with Barrett. Barrett is one of those guys. I still don't really know what I think about RJ Barrett. It really depends on the night. So he's averaging 17 a game. Good. That makes you happy. 43% shooting. Not so happy. 29% from three. Ooh. 48% from two. 
which for a bruiser like him is actually, I think, a little discouraging. Free throws, he's up to 74%, which is which is big because he looked like he was going to be a guy that, was, can we trust him? He's going to make foul shots. Only three assists a game, but I think his playmaking, his playmaking is the thing that actually excites me most about him. They've never put him in an environment to really be a high-volume playmaker in open space. Randall is the lead playmaker on the team this year. That's going fine. He has a really nice feel for the game, a really nice rhythm and cadence in changing pace, reading help defense, spraying kickout passes around. So I like Barrett. Um, you look at that draft, the 2019 draft, which went Zion, Moran, and then a giant cliff down to Barrett. Yeah. He's still a defensible number three pick. I think if you redrafted right now, Tyler Hero, who got picked wherever, 14th or 15th or 13th, I can't remember, would be the number three pick in that draft. And like Brandon Clark might be four or Barrett might be four. It's a totally defensible pick. I just, until those, and he's only, what is Barrett, 21? 20, Mm -hmm. he's not even 21. Mm -hmm. So like, we're really not going to know what RJ Barrett is for three years probably we're going to see indications of it but we should know by now that these guys sometimes they take a long time to develop there's leaps that are made three or four years into the league as they get comfortable we see it over and over again until those shooting numbers come up a little bit i'm always going to be a little trepidatious to sound like clyde frazier for a second um (laughs) to to anoint him like a like a future like foundational top three guy on a championship team but I'm willing to leave the door open. I'm just I'm not as excited by RJ Barrett year two as you indicate that Tibbs is. I guess I think maybe not even specifically Tibbs, but just in general uh, with everybody over there, what they saw year one, what they're seeing year two. I, you know, I think you hit it on the head when you talked about the way he's shooting free throws because it was it was tough to watch last year, and that was something that he worked on extensively in the off season, and so that's a good good indicator and. You know, I don't think anybody is under the illusion that he's going to be this you know, face of your franchise you build around R.J. Barrett. But I think what he's showing them so far, and, and if he can continue to develop, is he can be a very important player on a winning team, and he helps you win games. And I Defensively, think I've been I've been impressed with him defensively. He's big, he's strong, and he competes. Like, they put him on Kawhi Leonard. And did Kawhi get him a few times? Sure, Kawhi gets everybody a few times. But he did not look out of his depth going toe-to-toe, banging with Kawhi Leonard. He did not look out of his depth. So I think I like I think he is he's going to be a good player in the NBA, a good complimentary player. The problem with being a complimentary player is by the time you're a complimentary player on a really, really good team, the next Knicks team that wants to do serious stuff in the playoffs, you either have to be able to shoot or you have to come off the bench. Like it's hard to be a complimentary mm, player right. on a great team and start and not be able to shoot unless you're the center, basically. And so that's mm-hmm. sort of like what mm-hmm. – that's going to be the interesting development for him. But I, I I like his feel for the game. Let's – let's before I let you go, the Knicks have all this cap space now, and they have a gazillion dollars in cap space this summer. The summer of 2021, much vaunted, has become less vaunted. Everybody has signed. Everyone's signed extensions. Paul George signed an extension. All the rookie guys signed extensions. Do – what are – so this is now becoming another summer of like, can the Knicks actually find a veteran to help them win now? Or are they just going to keep rolling it forward with young guys, try to find a guy who's like 28, 29, maybe undervalued, but fits their timetable? What, what, what sh- are their names you're paying attention to for the Knicks in this offseason? 
I mean, you mentioned one of them, Victor Oladipo. I, I can't get a read on, on universally how they feel about him. I know he's got people who feel that you bring him in and, and he's going to really, really help you. He'd be a really good fit. Uh, the thing that I'm also not clear on is, does Oladipo see the Knicks as a team that he would resign with? Uh, but that's one. And I think you look at the your potential trade targets. I think that's that's where they can really – uh, take a leap forward more so there than free agency. And, you know, they're keeping an eye as is every other team in the NBA on um, Zach Levine and Chicago and seeing kind of what shakes out there. Uh, Bradley Beal, I don't think is realistic, but I think well, for the, for Bradley Beal, you got to give up everything. Yeah. So, so you got realistic. nothing. Bradley Beal comes and he's like, who am I? I'm passing to, it's me and Obi Toppin. We're Why rolling. Would he we're rolling. That? That, that's yeah. it. You know, right. He said he wants to win, and there's no scenario where he gets traded here and they're ready to win right away. So that's what makes it tricky. But, I, yeah, I don't see the slam dunk free agent. So I think either you weaponize your cap space or you sign – and when I say weaponize my cap space, I know everybody listening to this podcast knows what it means, but you take on a bad contract and you take, let's say, a first-round pick and a deal from the team that wants to dump the money, uh, or you just roll it over again, sign veterans to short-term deals, uh, and try to continue to develop the young guys. Because I don't even think they're at a place now where you bring in uh, one player and you're that player away from being really good. I think slow play it, continue to build uh, winning habits, as Tom Thibodeau likes to say, and, and, and don't try to make the splash this summer unless something shakes loose via trade. I'm just making up names, okay? Go ahead. Making it up. Yep. There's no reporting behind any of this. Okay, let me just make that clear. I'm just I can't wait purely, for it to get aggregated. <laughs> purely speculating names that I'm just going to wonder about what you think. I might aggregate it before we get started, but go ahead. Lonzo Ball. Yes, I mean I think um, right now my my sense is, I mean you could say this about any team, but that it would de- depends on what New Orleans is looking for in a trade, and then. You know, I don't think you would you would exceed what you're comfortable with because you know balls available. Uh, Playing really well right agency. now, by the way. Playing really well. So he has these two week periods where the three starts to fall, and you talk yourself. And by the way, he's been the bellwether for the Pelicans. When he makes mm-hmm. shots, they win. When he doesn't, they lose. Mm-hmm. And you begin to talk yourself into him. It just it just never seems to sustain. If this is the time it sustains. I think they just pull him from the trade market, frankly, and he becomes not available anymore. That's interesting. Yeah, the New Orleans situation, it's going to be fascinating to see how that plays out. But I do, you know, they've been looking for a point guard for forever. And, you know, some people see him as a potential answer. But I think, you know, it depends on what what New Orleans is asking for and then do you pay him this summer. So I think potential for him to be here. You know who I really wanted them to go get in this previous summer Mm. or winter or fall or whatever? Plague and during the plague, who I wanted them to go get <laughs> was instead of Hayward, I wanted them to throw all the money at Fred Van Vliet just because. Yeah, now maybe fun. they had maybe they had no chance to get him right. Like if the money's equal, he's going back to Toronto. Maybe it's just that, and you just have to break the bank to such a degree that it becomes an onerous contract. But I just, I've said I, it like I these young guys they need a point guard to help mm-hmm. to help them get buckets. Randall is doing a wonderful facsimile of that. Uh, and Fred is a winner. He can shoot, so he can space the floor for R.J. Barrett. He's a winner. He's tough as hell on defense. I just love the idea. Of, and he's like 27. So he, does he fit your timetable perfectly? No, but it's fine. That's the guy I was obsessed with. Okay, a couple more names. DeMar DeRozan. Mm, I know. I've seen it reported several no, times. No, I'm just making it yeah. up. I'm no, just. No, no. I'm just. I, I have know. not reported anything. No, I wouldn't do it you. if I. I wouldn't do it if I were the Knicks. By the way, I'm just throwing it out there. 
Yeah, I don't. It does that one doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It makes a, a lot less sense than than Lonzo Ball when you consider the factors of what they're trying to do and their timeline. Uh, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that would make a lot of sense. Kyle Lowry. Hmm. Uh, I. Well, let me ask you this: in, in free agency, let me be clear. Right. Just let's just say. And I'm not. I have not talked to Kyle. I have no idea what his mindset is. My assumption is he'll either resign in Toronto or go play for a championship somewhere. So that leaves the Knicks out of bounds. Let's just say one year, thirty million piques his interest for whatever reason. Again, I'm just making this up. Placeholder, like veteran placeholder. I don't know. Could you could you do a lot worse than that? Listen, if they want to win games, I, I'm making an assumption here. I would assume that Tom Thibodeau loves a player like Kyle Lowry. So uh, you know, I'm sure he would push for it. And then that puts you on the track to take a step forward from wherever you end up this year. Uh, it seems reasonable as a one-year deal, depending on what happens in free agency. I can't wait to see what they do. Cause this is going to be a weird summer to have what they have some gargantuan amount of cap space, right? Isn't it like over 50, like 70 or so? I can't remember. I but it depends on a bunch of things, but yes, they could have yeah, a lot. You could, I think, around they could have up to around sixty, depending 60. on the, some decisions that are made or not made. I know the, the Randall contract is part of it, but yeah, they could have a gargantuan amount of cap space. The Knicks with sixty million dollars in cap space in the past has been like an irresponsible college kid <laughs> with his parents' credit card in a casino. <laughs> like it's just been a bad idea and a recipe for really, really bad decisions. I'm. I actually. This regime so far is inspiring confidence in me, and it's Leon Rose, it's Brock Aller, it's even just little things like, give us Ed Davis, and we'll take a couple of second round picks for our trouble. That that's the kind of trade on a larger scale they were not making when it was sitting there for them with the Andre Iguodala trade. Just mm-hmm. little things like that indicate to me there's a balance being struck here. And I, I don't know. I continue to make this argument. I know the Knicks have been obsessed with win, 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 win. we got to fill the garden, this and that. The garden is, whenever we can fill places again, the garden is going to be filled every night anyway. It doesn't uh, matter. They it doesn't matter. And, and I just yeah. think, like, if the young guys play hard and they're fun to watch, I just, I've constantly said, like, I don't think there's this, this aversion among Knicks fans to just being a little bit patient if the product is fun to watch and seems to have a direction. Yeah, I think the Nick fan that's been with you for the last 20 years is not going to mind waiting another year or two to have uh, a winning product that's sustainable. And you know, I think that's where some of the frustration with the Rose trade comes from. We talked about it before, the, the kind of PTSD about uh, trying to balance winning and developing young players. And, it, you know, again, in the offseason, I think there were some moves that uh, some, some people on that coaching staff wanted to see that would have given them this win-now roster. You talked about the front office making the right decisions. I think by and large they have, um, and it's just going to be, you know, how do you balance those two goals? I think they've done it as well as well as you can thus far, developing the young guys and winning. And who wins between that push and the pull ultimately until you build something that is sustainable? That's something that's interesting to me with this team, not only this year but going forward. I think you need to rename the Knicks fan uh, – irrational exuberance PTSD is like Bargnani syndrome or so that that would be that would be my choice if you look back at all the deals that's the one anyway that's a story for a different day tell people where they can find the putback and when sny.tv we will be sharing it also on social media it comes out Wednesday afternoon this week we actually have 
our good friend Tim McMahon on to talk the Porzingis trade. We had a lot of fun with that. Uh, but yeah, comes out weekly. Zach was our our first guest. It's gone downhill from there, but we, we have a lot of fun with it. We try to peel back the curtain on the Knicks and the Nets in the NBA. And Ian knows everything that's going on there. Ian Begley, it's great to see your face, man. I can't wait to see you at a Knicks game sometime in the near long term. I don't know, some term future. But it's good to see you. Stay healthy and stay safe, okay? Appreciate you, Zach. Likewise. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes! Catch the clutch hits, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's there up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, watch out for them. You name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Tune into the jump. Weekdays at 3 Eastern on ESPN or check out The Jump's podcast, which features exclusive content and is available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's welcome in. I'm very excited for this. Freshly minted as the Western Conference Player of the Week, starting point guard for the 12 and 11. Uh-oh, look out. Sacramento Kings, the great De'Aaron Fox. How are you, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Congrats on Player of the Week. Is that the first time? I don't keep track of Player of the Week that carefully. Is that the first time? Yeah, that's actually the first. Uh, I mean, I, I don't really keep track of it like that either, but uh, Monty called me right before it happened. So, I mean, I'm happy. So, Do you get something? I have no idea. I know you get a trophy for player of the month, but I'm not sure for player of the week. But, um, I mean, you get those things when you're winning. So, I'm all for it. So, let's talk about that. So, three weeks ago, I don't know what your record was, but it was bad. And not only did you have the worst defense in the league, you were on pace to have the worst defense in NBA history by a lot. Now, you had played a lot of the best offensive teams a lot of times. You were getting unlucky with three-point shooting. Like It was clear you were going to get better. But since then, you're above average on defense, and your guys are rolling off wins. So here's and, – and, and just watching your games, it looks cleaner. It looks like you guys are trying less gimmicky stuff. There's a zone here or there, but it just looks cleaner to me. So – I've seen that season before, and a lot of times a season that's going that way just spirals out of control. Coach gets fired. People get traded. It's just you get into a hole and you can't recover from it. How did you guys dig out of it? Was there a meeting? Was there a, was there a film session where you said, this is what we're doing wrong. This is what we're changing. How did it happen, and were you worried that the season was going to slip away from you? Uh, it was definitely some stuff like that going through our heads, but um, the turnaround might have been – um, when two of our games against Memphis got canceled, it would have been a back-to-back in Memphis because they had the COVID stuff. 
And then uh, those two games got canceled, so we ended up staying home. We had a few extra days of practice, and since then, it's it's, it's been on a, on an up uphill battle. It's been great. Uh, we've been playing well defensively. We've gotten so much better offensively. I mean, I think we were fine. Like we were we were in a good place offensively, uh, but defense. You know, if you're giving up 120, 130 points, you're not winning games. You're not going to win games in this league. So after having those two days of extra practice, and then we hit the East Coast for a trip. Uh, we've we've been well. We've been we've been off really well. Did anything change schematically, like, or, or is it just a pride effort thing? Like, what did you guys change? Um, I mean, scheme wise, nothing much really changed. Uh, we've probably played a little bit less zone, but I mean, we've still we we've, we've been getting stops out of our zone. Um, but no, I think just being able to get down and practice, and and guys being able to practice the rotations and and knowing where to be. Uh, definitely helped us. Obviously, these are things that you want everybody to know uh, from the jump and, you know, from the beginning of the season. But at the end of the day, when you're able to have those extra days of practice and actually drilling it and getting into guys head, um, then it's then you'll see a lot more. You'll see a lot better results. How did it feel inside the team? Did it feel like this we're in we're in danger of this season just sliding to the point where we can't recover from it? Or that's what it looked like from the outside. But from the inside, were you guys like, we, we have talent here. We will figure it out. It's just a matter of time. Like, how did it feel in that moment? Um, I wouldn't say it felt like the team, like, like the season was just dead and over. Uh, I mean, I've been on a team that was, that was like that. My first year was, was really, really bad, but um, nah, I felt like guys were just like, man, we're, we're missing something. Like we know we can score the ball. There's, there's just something missing that if we can figure this out, we can turn the season around. And like I said, after those two practices, you know, guys have been defending. Everybody's been on, on one page uh, as far as defense is concerned. And we've we've been able to get those stops when we need it. I think we're, I mean, we're we're one stop or, or one, you know, offensive play away from, you know, winning, I think, nine games in a row after we lost to the Heat that one, that, that one game. So it's, man, it, it's definitely been great in the locker room. It's been great all around the organization. Uh, obviously, everybody's happy when you're winning. But it's something that we just, we, we want to be able to do this for as long as we can. The Kings have not had a lot of winning for the last fifteen or so years. Are there playoff expectations now? Like, are, are you are you do you like we can keep this going? Like, this is not a fluke, right? That's the, I assume that's the feeling inside the team. Yeah, definitely. We don't think that we're doing anything that's far fetched. It's not like we're averaging one hundred and forty points. Like, we're doing stuff that NBA teams do to win games. Uh, we're we we've been able to finish games out. We've been able to get stops when we need it, and I don't think that that's something that's just way over our head of, of doing. And uh, I mean, we've done it against some good teams too. Uh, we, and we, I mean, we also did it at the beginning of the year. So we don't think that it's a, that it's a fluke. You also seem to have found a closing lineup, um, a, a five man group that you can go to game on the line. You buddy, Tyrese Harrison Barnes at the four, Rashawn Holmes at the five. Um, that lineup is your plus like a gazillion with that lineup. It's one of the best lineups <laughs> in the league. Can you feel that group coming together and, Tyrese obviously adds a new ingredient. You get to play off the ball a little bit uh, against the Clippers last night. You made a big three in the closing minutes off of Tyrese pick and roll where you, I saw you motion for him. You take it, you take it, you run the offense. Do you feel comfortable in that group? And, and, um, are, and are you, do you feel also like I'm just kind of scratching the surface of what Tyrese and I can do together? Yeah, definitely. Like, man, with that group, I think what's, what's so different about that group is we have, I was going to say a little bit of everything, but we have a lot of bit of everything. Um, <laughs> you have the defenders, you know, Harrison, myself, Buddy's playing defense well, you know, right now. Uh, Rashawn, who's our rim protector, and Tyrese, who's obviously still getting used to the NBA, but 
I mean, he's a good defender. He has great instincts. Um, we have the shooting everywhere. Uh, you know, I'm shooting the ball better. Tyrese is a 40% three-point shooter, but he's one of the best shooters in the league, regardless of how he's shooting at a certain time. Um, and then Harrison is still knocking down shots. Um, we got we have guys who can play make for others, uh, and, and myself and Tyrese and even Harrison uh, with being in the post. We have guys that can create shots for themselves. Like we, we, I think we have everything that we need in that lineup. And then obviously, you know, it's a bit smaller, but, um, you know, with us just being together, we know we have to be able to box out with each other and, and rebound for each other. But Yeah, the gang that, rebounding is going to be key with that group, right? Like everyone's going to yeah. have to contribute on the glass. Yeah, everybody has to hit the glass. But outside of that, man, we have, we have everything we need in that group. Do you feel like, um, obviously, you've played with the ball in your hands your whole life and you're the primary ball handler now, you will be for as long as you're with the Kings. But Tyrese does offer you an ingredient of you can get off the ball, you can start moving around. You're, one of the ways I think your speed is a weapon is like you can be a really good off-ball mover, off-ball cutter. Is that something like, does that just take reps? Are you excited about that? Like you can, you see split actions between you and Buddy here and there. Like there's stuff you can do, right? Yeah, definitely, man. Um, you know, a lot of people were asking if, if one of us would be able to play off ball and this and this and that and that. But we're both fine with the other one handling the ball, um, especially the way that he shoots the ball and the way I've been shooting. You know, we're, we're good with the other one, you know, taking the ball for this period of time. Or if if we feel like that person has the better matchup, that person's in the pick and roll. Like there's nothing I don't think there's nothing that we can't pretty much do together. You know, um, we both want to see see each other succeed and uh, we play off of each other extremely well. And, and, you know, we're just, like you said, we're just scratching the surface of what we think we can do together. Are you surprised whenever Rashawn Holmes misses a push shot? Man, it's crazy. It's we, crazy how good that shot is. And, and, and one thing, if he misses one and we get the offensive rebound, if he gets it again, he's making it. There's no way he's missing two in a row. Ever. I, I, I just, like, he, this is old news to people who follow the Kings. Because it's been a couple years now that that shot feels automatic. But this year... In my head, he's shooting like ninety percent on that shot. Yeah, it's it's definitely. he has he might have the best floater in the entire league. And the crazy thing, I don't remember when he was in uh, Phoenix. I don't remember him shooting that shot. I, I don't remember him at all shooting that shot. He might have been shooting it, but from what I remember, he just like he was kind of like Montrez when we played him. Like he he outworked us. He caught lobs. If he got off in the rebound, he was dunking the ball. But last year he started shooting it. And I'm like, yo, I don't remember him doing that. But he doesn't miss that shot. No, I'm with you. I, I remember like the first time I saw it happening here and there was last year with the Kings. Like, oh, that's that's interesting. I'm gonna keep an eye on that. That's that's kind of yeah, interesting. It's, now man. it's like this is a legitimate weapon. It's a weapon. He, he's trying to get to that shot. He's 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 hunt he's hunting that shot, which obviously we're we're all fine with. But I mean. With other players in the league, you, you as a coach, you might not be fine with them shooting that shot. Obviously, you think they can make it, but that, that shot's almost automatic for him. Uh, I got a stat for you. You ready? This is about yourself. Uh, where do you think you rank in the NBA right now? Last five minutes of games when the score is five points or less. The, the scoring margin with this five points or less. Where do you think you rank in total points scored well, this season? Well, I have Twitter too, so I've I've seen it. I don't go on I don't go on Twitter much. So it's uh, people have been tweeting this. So you know, yeah, yeah, one. People, you're people number have been one. Tweeting this. One. Uh, I thought I think I'm tied with with someone, right? I don't think you're tied anymore. If you were tied, I think you've broken the tie. Yeah, I think it was around like 56 or 50, 58 points uh, with that because I think that's what's considered like clutch clutch points. I think I was tied with like James or someone. 
I'm going to I'm going to check again. Now you're fact checking my fact checking, which is making me uncomfortable, frankly. Um, <laughs> now nah, you get tagged and stuff so much on Twitter, man. You you're bound to see it, even though I, I, I use Twitter and Instagram to watch like funny videos and send stuff to my friends. But you're, you're going to see it. Well, you were embroiled in a different kind of Twitter fiasco <laughs> earlier, <laughs> earlier this year with certain family members. But that seems to have passed. The parental, the king's parental units <laughs> seem to have quieted down. That's the way you like it, I would assume, right? Yeah, for sure. Because I don't, I don't need to be getting those questions. As if, if that stuff happens again, y'all need to call them. It's pretty easy to get in contact with them. That ain't got nothing to do with us. I like that. That's a good stance. If the dads weigh in, call the dads. Don't ask yeah, you guys in the scrum. Sure. That's not for fair. For sure. I don't, yeah, nah. That ain't. We're all, we're all grown people, and I, I can't answer for another grown man's actions. Okay, you are number one, by the way, so I'll give you another one. You're fourth in the league in fourth quarter scoring. Total points in the fourth quarter. How many – can you name the three people ahead of you? I want to see if you can get it. Uh, the three ahead of me. You know, this is this is a guess, but I'm, is one Zach Levine? That's one. Right, one yeah, for one. That's, that's one. Um, maybe KD. Nope. Hasn't played enough <sighs> games. Okay. Um, oh yeah, he ha- he has missed a few games. All right. So Zach Levine, Dame, is, is that right? Nope. Dame's not right. Well, Dame's a great. Other, Dame's a great. I don't guy have so. the. I don't have the other two for you. Then uh, I know no, Zach. One, I know Zach Levine is one for sure. One though. is arguably the greatest player in NBA history. So that's an oh, easy LeBron? one for you, LeBron. Uh, number three is Trey Young, and Trey. you are number four, tied with nope. Giannis. That was when uh, Trey was actually when I was, I would have guessed. So you feel comfortable late in games, and I think um, number one, you're just blowing by dudes one on one. But that floater, the floater, and the step back, the step back is like it's not even a step back. It it's like you're getting so much distance with that thing that it it's almost it's like a pullback or I don't know I don't it's it's a beautiful shot. But you've worked it to the point you're getting like two three feet of space on that thing. Yeah, uh, I a lot of the times I do it when I'm getting so close to the basket, and I kind of want to get a get a shot get a shot off. Um, but a lot of the times now it's because one, I don't get a lot of calls. I don't feel like I get a lot of calls. So instead of like hurting my body and you know getting all that contact, uh, a floater and like a step back in the paint are, are shots that I've that I've gone to a lot. Uh, shots uh, that I know I can make, and just you take you take less contact, and you know your body will thank you for it later. Now. Uh- you are getting six and a half free throws a game. I am going to assume that you are dissatisfied and maybe angry at yourself that you're shooting 69% at the line. Where do you want that number to be? Yeah, um, you know, around 80, you know, mid, mid 80s. Um, that's something that I think I'm very capable of uh, with the way I shoot the ball. And yeah, nah, because I think before last game, the, the, the last the two games prior, I was like seven for seven and and eight for eight or something like that. Uh, so I made like my last 13 or 15 free throws. So yeah, like uh, I, something I, I know I can do and I know I shouldn't be missing like that. Uh, I interviewed you a couple of seasons ago, um, but some people don't read columns. So tell the story on a podcast. And here's what, we, here's what I want to ask you about. Your pre-draft workout with the Kings, Dave Yeager, who was then the coach of the Kings, put you through some unusual- um, blindfold. Unusual, yeah, tell, tell people about the blindfold. Man, he's, um, so he, he put a blindfold on me. I, I still don't remember like what the reasoning was for or something, but uh, I had to dribble in a straight line. And if he said between the legs, behind the back, spin, move, or crossover, I had to do that. 
And I was told that when people have tried that, like they'd be running into the wall and everything. But I would, I managed to still be on the court. So I started under, right under the basket, so I could have an even, uh, even amount of distance left and right. And yeah, I was still on the court. I, I felt like I was gonna fall or trip, but I kept the ball in my hands. And yeah, that was the most. That was the weirdest, kind of most difficult thing that I've probably done as far and as. And this isn't concerned. one of these blindfolds where you can kind of see. You're like, you're blind. Oh, no, you it was pitch black. See. Pitch black. I couldn't see anything. Like, I, I might have seen like a little sliver of light from under, but I couldn't see my feet. So, no, nah, that's, that's one thing I've never, I've never done before. I was the first time, that was the first and last time I've ever done that. And then there was another one we talked about. Um, they, they set you up in a pick and roll and they, around you where shooters would be and and your teammates would be yeah, guys were like color different colored teams. jerseys right yeah yep they'd have that a, it was like a red a red yellow blue and red, yeah, i guess the colors don't really matter but i'd come off the screen and whatever color he yelled is uh is the uh is the guy i had to hit which i mean that's helped that's pretty coming off of screens having to hit that corner or hit the other corner or hit the throwback guy um that's definitely a drill that i think people might incorporate a lot of guys probably do it with numbers. They'll yell one, two, three, or four, and you have to hit the guy. But uh, with the pennies, that was pretty different because, you know, you go work out, guys aren't bringing pennies to their workout. No, you obviously did well enough that they uh, that they drafted you. So um, what was your reaction when the Kings drafted you? Because the Kings the Kings draft record in the past 15 years is discouraging. But it was was there a certain, like, you can be the guy who who lifts it, who lifts, who lifts this franchise back to where it was? Definitely. Obviously, you know, we see, like, you see the, the draft picks and some guys get messed up, blah, blah, blah. But, I mean, I when they picked me, I'm like, yo, I'm not going to be one of those guys. I know I'm, I'm built for the NBA. My game is built for the NBA, regardless of how my first – I don't think I played well my first year, but I knew at some point I'd be ready for the NBA. So I know I wouldn't be one of those guys. That's, that's pretty much all I can really say about that. But uh, I was – I mean, the way the draft was going, like I kind of knew where I was going. So um, – Kind of knowing I was coming to Sacramento, like I wanted to be one of those guys that that could bring winning back. That's that's how I looked at it. I heard a story about you in pre, at the combine. Um, one of the teams was interviewing you, and they asked you about Lonzo, and they asked you about lighting up UCLA in the tournament for what you what thirty seven or thirty nine, some huge uh, amount of points on UCLA, yeah. and they asked you, was that personal at all with you and Lonzo? And I know if I were you, I would have been afraid to say the real answer. And I would have said, oh, it's just about my team winning. I'm all about the team. I don't really care. Do you remember what you said according to this guy? I actually don't remember. I don't the, remember This at guy all. told me, and it's in my column, that you said to him, it was Brandon Williams who went on to work with the Kings, said, you said, oh, yeah, that was personal. And then I, when I asked you about it, you said it wasn't so much about Lonzo as it was just – you didn't get to play against Markel. You didn't get to play against mm -hmm. Dennis Smith Jr. You wanted to show people, I'm part of this point guard class. Like I'm, a, I'm as good as any of these guys. And it, and this guy told me, I kind of liked that he 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 answered it like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, at the time, you know, um, going through college, you know, Markel was the consensus number one pick, and Lonzo was two uh, guys. You know, talk we're talking about Dennis and all these other guards. And um, like I said, I didn't I didn't play in the Pac-12, so I didn't play I didn't play against Markel. Um, obviously, we uh, Kentucky and UCLA, UCLA played each other every year, on and off. Uh, I didn't play in the ACC, so I never played Dennis, and those guys didn't make it to the tournament, so I didn't have a chance to to go up against him and 
and show people what I could do. So uh, we had UCLA twice and they had already beaten us at home. So it's like, like, yo, on the national stage, like I have to show that I'm, that I'm a top 10 pick. I'm a top five pick, just like these guys, you know, all of us are top 10 picks. So I'm like, yo, I have to show the world like what, like, like what I can really do. And that's pretty much all it was. Um, I mean, I went at the team. I was more so mad that we lost to them already. And it's, it's hard to beat a team multiple times, especially in college, because you don't see guys multiple times like that. So uh, that's pretty much all that was there. Your one and done crew at Kentucky was you, Bam Adebayo, who you told me once um, went to class much more often than you did. Bam went to every class. Bam didn't <laughs> skip any classes. Uh, and, and Malik Monk, who after some trials and tribulations is back in Charlotte's rotation and putting up some big numbers. Are you in contact with Malik? Have you been look? Have you been tracking him and being like, this is this this has a chance to be a feel good story that often goes the other way. Have you been watching that? Yeah, man, I, I try to catch as many of those games as possible. A lot of times they'll, they'll like we're, we're playing on the same days, so they'll be playing while we're getting ready for the game. So I can't catch them all. But um, yeah, I talk to those guys pretty much every day. Like We still have our like freshman group chat with uh, uh, Malik Bam and then Winyan Gabriel and I. So uh, we talk to each other very frequently. Um, it's been great to see. I hope I hope it keeps up. Speaking of Kentucky, um, I'm going to leave you to tell this story. It's the most touching, moving story about the recruitment of a basketball star that I think I've ever heard. Kenny Payne, who's now an assistant with the Knicks, who was an assistant under Cal at Kentucky, told me this story. He said, ask Darren about it because he'll remember. Kenny and Cal go to your school, go to your high school to start the visit oh, with you. I know, what I know what you're talking about, yeah. And they said... Someone else is involved with this visit, and it was De'Aaron's idea. So please tell the story, because when Kenny told me, I thought, this will be a goofy story. It's not a goofy story. It's, it's, it was one of the rawest stories I've heard. So tell that story. Yeah, so um, it was a kid named Seth. Um, I, forget what he, I forget what he had. Um, but he ended up passing away maybe a couple months after that happened, I want to say. Um, so it's my senior year. And uh, him and his and his family were from Kentucky, so they're big Kentucky fans. And uh, Cal had first came to the school, and um, I, obviously we knew Cal was coming, so I invited Seth um, to come meet him. And man, like he was he was so happy. And then um, Cal was coming to my house for a home visit, so I invited Seth, Seth and his mother and his mother. And uh, like I said, they're, they're huge Kentucky fans, so you know what Cal means to them. And um, man, it, it was great just seeing the smile on, on their faces and. I don't know, man. It's that's 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 just what I thought. Of, that's what I thought to do. Like he always walked. He always had uh, in his wheelchair. He always had a Kentucky lanyard. And um, I don't know. I didn't for myself personally. Like I wasn't really thinking much of it. I was just thinking, you know, Seth has to meet Cal. Seth and his mom have to meet Cal. Um, and I mean, it's I, I like to keep stories short, but uh, just just a smile that was on his face uh, is something that he'd remember forever. And then you know, with him passing away. Um, you know, pretty soon after that, I'm just like, man, I'm, I'm glad that I was able to, I'm glad that I was able to connect that, connect that bridge and, and, and let them meet each other. And, um, after that, his, his mother actually moved back to Kentucky. So, um, I don't know. That's, that's just something that I'll always, I'll pretty much always remember. Yeah. Kenny, you know, when Kenny told me that story, I said, he said, you know, the kid kind of got to go through the recruiting experience with De'Aaron as if we were there to, to visit him too. And it really stayed still, obviously Kenny remembers it. I thought it was a great, a great story and, and a great, a great gesture and speaks a lot about you, frankly. Um, and obviously you went on to Kentucky. Now you're, now you're in the NBA. You talked about all-star last week. 
Uh, you had some brutally honest words in your in your view about hey, it. Oh, you, you know what? So you know what's actually funny about? It? So I was I was talking to my fiance about it, and she's like, "Well, because I elaborated, to, I basically told her like why I thought that because I didn't really go into it with the interview." So I can go into it if if you want me to. Let's go. Yes. Let's go. So so basically, and then obviously people are like, ah, he never made an all-star game. He's mad. I'm like, yo, shut the f up. Like, that's the <laughs> It literally has nothing to do with it. But um, so basically what I told her, I'm like, imagine if, you know, someone's wife gets it, right? Anyone's wife gets it. Now, you know, the contact tracing begins and I'm just go off like say LeBron, Savannah gets it, right? Now they're going to say LeBron was around KD and Kyrie and Dame. He's around Luka, all these guys. Now, you know, he he dapped up guys. He hugged guys during the game because that's what happens. And then now these guys have gone off to their teams, and now they're you're still contact tracing. Now they, they were – Dame was around CJ and Nurk, and Luka's around Porzingis and all these other guys. And now you have 12 teams dealing with contact tracing. And you just saw what happened to KD, where they let him play, and he probably shouldn't have played, and yada yada yada. Now, instead of one or two teams dealing with it, you have twelve to six, twelve to sixteen teams dealing with the contact tracing. So that's pretty much what I was saying. But people think I'm mad because I might not make an All Star game, which has nothing to do with it. Well, look, All Star in the West, it just it's a gauntlet, man. There's just no, there's no. So here, here you you only get twelve spots. That's it. They don't take fifteen people. Maybe they should take fourteen or something. So here's here's eight names that I think are are locks for the West. Locks got to be there. Steph, Luca, Dame, LeBron, Kawhi, Paul George having a sensational year, Jokic and AD. Man, he's a monster. Jokic. So we're or you Jokic you just faced who just lit you guys <laughs> up for fifty. Just just. Going in a loss, in a loss. Let's be clear. The Nuggets lost. You won. So that's eight names. We haven't named anybody from the Jazz who are getting at least one and probably two with the best record in the NBA out of Donovan Mitchell, Mike Conley, and Rudy Gobert. Rudy Gobert might be a lock too. Like, it's just, I want to put you in. I want to put, but I want to put Shea Gilgis Alexander. I want to put somebody from the Sun. It's, it's just, it's maybe we should expand the rosters because this is tight. I mean, like the roster is already filled, and I haven't even started thinking about it yet. Zion yeah, Ingram, forget about it. Yeah, All Stars crazy, especially in the West. And uh, one thing we were actually talking about yesterday is, uh, especially now that we won, um, the Pacific Division. Like you know, there's no team in the Pacific Division under 500 right now. All five teams, all five. Like, and we talk about making the playoffs in the West, man. There's there's no leeway. There's no leeway at all. Do you guys talk about the not, not that you not that your ambitions end here, but do you talk about the play in tournament? Like, is it a subject of? Because I have to. I I just I have to remind myself that the play in tournament is happening. I and forgot. Are I different. forgot about that actually. I we we so no. We actually have not talked about that at all. <laughs> so, I forgot about the play in tournament. Well, there you go. So you have another avenue into. The, I have to remind myself that. The sixth seed is extra important this year because you're out of the play-in tournament, and the tenth seed is important because you get in there. It's just a whole different landscape. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if I would say I'd always want that to happen, but it's. No, nah, that's definitely different. It's definitely different, but it gives everybody a. It gives you a chance. It gives, you know, a lot of these teams because seven to hell, even like six to ten might not be that many games off from each other. Nope. Especially, nope. I mean, right now it's probably like a game away from each other right now everyone's pretty bunched up right now did you follow the uh the bogdan bogdanovich situation in the offseason or did you just follow it on twitter like the rest of us uh i followed it on twitter like the rest of us uh like like everybody but um it's crazy so when when it actually happened bogey i uh bogey actually called me 
and I was in the airport coming back from uh, from Cabo after he had uh, actually signed with uh, Atlanta. But yeah, I was following it just like everybody else. NBA is a crazy, a crazy, uh, a crazy world. Uh, you, I read somewhere that Russell Westbrook was your favorite player growing up, or was your favorite player like pre pre you coming to the NBA? Is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was my favorite player. Um, it was Kevin Garnett growing up, watching Ooh, him play. That's then, a good uh, choice. I like that choice. Yeah, and then um, after he was done, it was it was Russ. That's Are you a Rockets fan growing up in Houston? Nah, nah, I was never a Rockets fan. Who's your t- Who's your team? Did you have a team? Uh, I mean, I, it was OKC since since Russ was there. I mean, it was Boston. Uh, after KG got traded to Brooklyn, it was pretty much OKC after that. So when you get to play Russ in the NBA, is he approachable? Like, can you go up to him and say, "Hey, man, you're you're my you're my favorite player. Like, it's such an honor to play." Or is he just because he's one of those old school guys who doesn't fraternize with the other team, doesn't buddy? But so is he? Could you approach him and tell him this? Uh, he's yeah, he's definitely approachable. Um, I mean, we were I was around him. Uh, for all-star in charlotte um talk to him a little bit but uh, i wouldn't necessarily say that's something like i'm really trying to do but uh, he's definitely approachable talk to me after the game um you know he's talked to rico about me before so uh he's definitely an approachable guy but you know in between the lines i mean he he has a killer mentality that's how he is and you know that's how he's always been so it's going up against that like you know what you got coming for you um give me before we let you go give me one give me one thing you're you're working on for yourself the last you know well we got we got like 10 or 12 games before the season stops for its hiatus give me give me a skill give me something about your defense give me something that's like i got to get better at this or i'm working on this i want to showcase this give me something to look for um can we say free throws make make my damn free throws throws. there you go i think if i'm shooting like 80 percent from the free throw line then it's like i feel like it's it's totally different because this year like since i've been making threes Seeing everyone go over ball screens has been different and it's made the game 10 times easier. And that's something that I've always said that I need to work on. You know, if I can get guys to step up half a step, then it it makes it makes the game easy. So now let's now that I'm making threes, obviously, you know, I'm going to continue to work on that and continue to try to, you know, shoot a higher percentage from there. But free throws getting to the line. I know I can get to the line. So if I'm able to knock down free throws, it's. It's just making the game a whole lot easier. It's funny you mentioned the guys stepping up because you're so fast. If guys are up on you, you're going to be at the rim. So last night against the Clippers, it's a close game in the fourth quarter. You had a couple of drives, which were basically one-on-one drives, just blew by people. One was against Terrence Mann, I think. I can't remember. We just blew by people at the rim for a layup or an and one. And I'm watching the game. I was watching it this morning. I thought they're going to lay off of him the next time. I just give him five feet of space and just say, you're not going to get by us. And they did. And you drove and you just pulled up for a long two and nailed it in that guy's face or whoever it was. And, and it's just – but you so you can feel that when guys are coming up coming up closer, going over screens, the whole court opens up for you. But I, I, I do think teams are going to make you continue to prove it, like prove that this three-point shot is real, right? Like we're, they're going to dare you sometimes. And like last night when the Clippers dared you, you were like, all right, I'm taking it, and you made them pay. Oh yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Continue to for me it's it's about continuing to shoot with confidence. You know, uh that's one thing that you can't let alter just because you're missing shots. And then um I think I took seven threes last night. I was two for seven. Um at the end of the day, we kind of think about it like sometimes you might go two for seven. There's games where I went five for eight, you go four for seven, like it's it's all gonna even out. So it's 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 whatever with that. But as long as you're shooting them, like you, you give yourself a chance to make them. So that's 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 how I'm seeing it.
you're you're stepping into it with confidence. Like there's no there's it's not like you're taking them when guys are 10 feet from you and you have to take them. You're just stepping into them with confidence. I don't know. I mean, th- that's not new. I think you were doing that last year too. Yeah, I mean, my team wants me to shoot. Um, I mean, I'm going like going in a workout. I'm making shots. You know, it's it's never kind of not been that. So for me, it's always just been be able to do this in a game. You know, everybody can say you can you can work on this and this and that and that. We see guys in the summer go crazy with with whatever they're doing. But if you can't do it in a game, then what you're doing in the summer doesn't really matter. So I've been able to apply that this year, and uh, it's still a long way that I can go with this. And yeah, man, I think I can continue to grow as a player. Well, the fr- so do you have to do anything fun on the free? Do we need to change anything on free throws? Do we need to change your routine? A couple more deep breaths, an extra dribble. Like, what can we do here? I don't know, man. It's a lot of times I'm I'm just missing short. It's ah. and that's that's where it was with with my jump shot. Like it wasn't really missing left and right. It's always you know short and long, which obviously you like that you're not missing left and right. That it's now it's it's some small tweak where maybe you need to bend your legs or or do something with it. Um, so that's that's something that we're definitely working on. And I mean, I, I made what ninety. I think I made ninety three in a row one time trying to get out of running. I had to make a hundred in a row. And I hit 93, but I still had the run. Wait, so um, wait, so wait, is this with the Kings? Yeah, so this was actually during the summer. We were because so how I end my uh, how I end all my workouts is you have to make 10 in a row, then you have to do two swishes after that. So if you do 10 in a row, you keep going until you miss. So I was at like 60 something, and I'm like, yo, if I hit 100, like I'm not running, and then I end up missing at like 92 or 93. So and that's who's how, making that's who's always, making you run? Who's supervising this? Well, so this was like just a part of the conditioning. So uh, it was Jesse Green. He's one of our uh, one of our um, strength guys. He does See, all I think you, I think you have the clout to just say, "I made ninety three. I'm not running. Sorry, <laughs> like I'm not. Nah, I'm we, not gonna. Man, we had put a bet. I was like, he he was like, okay, if you get to hundred in a row, you're not gonna run. So I was at ninety. Like, and if you make like ninety something free throws, you were standing there for for a minute. So I kind of got a little bit stiff. I'm like, man, I really don't want to run. And I end up missing that, and I'm I'm mad as hell that now I have to do this this conditioning. So, but it is what it is. But like, with that being said, like I know I can make free throws. Like I know I'm capable of doing that. And how much running are we talking five. about? How much are we talking about? Just uh, like a couple of suicides or something? What nah, are we that about? that day, I think we did two three minute runs. Oh my god! You, I'm t- you have to no, just no. I mean, <laughs> no, I'm not doing yeah, that. Nah, those, those are the worst days. Those three minute runs are terrible. Those are horrible. I hate doing those. But I'm like, man, I made a bet and I didn't get to 100. So I'm like, yo, I, I got you. I'll do the running. I, I There's a, cer- a certain honor in that. You're a better person than me because if I were in your <laughs> shoes, I would have been like, hey, I just signed a max deal. You can't tell. I, I made 93 in a row. Well, actually, at, at the time. You hadn't I signed it yet. Yeah. I hadn't done it yet. So I didn't, I didn't have that much. I didn't have much leeway at the time. Well, look, it's been it's been awesome watching you play. I've been a fan of your game since since I started watching in the league. And um, you know, the Kings two seasons ago, spring twenty nineteen, you seem to have something going. And then it went off the rails a little bit last year. And it, you just never know what's going to happen in the NBA. It's all fragile. And it's been really fun watching you the last month. The whole team sort of find an identity. And I I hope the winning continues because I don't need to tell you if you guys are. I mean, look, big winning, that's a whole different thing. But if you guys are a competitive, fun, playoff-level team and they can get fans back in that building, that place is going to be be bonkers. It's going to be crazy. Congrats on Player of the Week. Keep it up. And uh, thanks for giving us a little time, Darren. No problem, man. I appreciate it. 
Our Difference Maker of the Week is brought to you by our friends at CarMax. Don't just buy a car, love your car with the new CarMax Love Your Car Guarantee. This week's Difference Maker is the Brooklyn Nets. Just everything about the big three Brooklyn Nets. It's been a minute since we had a big three in the NBA, a true blue big three, and I'm so excited to have this very unique and idiosyncratic one in Brooklyn. I cannot wait to watch out Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden sort out the offense. Who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to be the lead ball handler? So far, it's kind of James Harden's show, and he's not shooting as much as you would expect. Kevin Durant just does Kevin Durant things. He's the best player on the team. Kyrie is just walking into points. Can it all fit together? There are some possessions when two of them are just kind of standing around and watching the other one cook. Is that ideal? Maybe it's fine. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe they're so good that your turn, my turn works out. Obviously, the other big question is going to be, can they defend anyone? It's just going to be fascinating. Every single game when the three of them play together is going to tell us something about how good this team is and where they're going to be when it really matters. So that's our Difference Maker of the Week. Again, our thanks to CarMax. For more Difference Makers, check out my weekly 10 Things column on the ESPN Insider page. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.